Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. My name is Brendan McClenahan, your Faithful as Ever host, and I am welcoming back to the podcast as our formidable guest for the week, Mr. Jesse Like. Jesse, welcome. Uh, good morning. Glad to be here. Jesse, I think this is your third or fourth. No, it's your fourth time on the podcast. Yeah, I think it's my third time as your guest, and I filled in for you one time while you were uh, out on paternity leave as host. So yeah, I think fourth time um, kind of hanging out on the podcast. Okay, so we were just talking a second ago about a great many things, but one of the things we talked about was uh, you like being on the podcast. Why is that? I do. Um, Well, I think the biggest reason I like it is I like reading scripture this way. Um, I like reading scripture with somebody else. And I like reading these, I've really found with the Bible reading plan, reading these passages from different parts of the Bible. Each time we do it, it seems like I see new interconnections um, and how the Old Testament and the Psalms all speak to the same things that Jesus speaks to and that the apostles write about. Um, yep. And I think that's just, it brings to life how the Bible is one unified story, even in its diversity. Um, so I think that's, that having those conversations is just really fun for me. Yeah, there's the element of dialogue and something new emerges when you're in a dialogue. Something happens between the two people who are talking um, where something new emerges that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. And then uh, there's also the cool thing that happens as you hold um, scripture passages in dialogue with each other, that there's something that happens there too in between the two scripture passages where you go, if I read this one passage alone, like today we're reading Judges, if I read this one passage isolated alone, and then I read this other passage isolated alone, they may say something different to me than when I read them together against each other. And uh, they speak to each other, which is really cool. It ends up bringing out new things that you otherwise would not have seen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, as I think about it, I think another reason I really like it is when you read the passages and you're, you're recording yourself to share with others, like you're forced to really focus Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when I sit on my own to read scripture, I mean, I'll admit it's easy to like be reading it, but also be distracted by my own thoughts or by what's going around, around me. But there's a certain, like, I don't want to say pressure, but like when you're having, you're recording something, you're like, I need to share about this. And so there's a certain level of focus it brings me to, um, yeah. that is really enlivening for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think scripture is meant to be, I mean, Scripture is meant to be read uh, in relationship and community. Uh, we're not, scripture is never really intended to be read alone and is become mostly that's what it is, is something you do when you're alone is read the Bible and pray. And prayer is also something you're never, you, that was never really intended only to do by yourself. You know, yes, we have, you know, private times of prayer, but also to pray in community. Um, but uh, scripture passes the same way. And like I think of the New Testament letters, they're all meant to be read in front of the church, you know, and there's something about, you know, restoring that um, 
or I think the you know the uh, the story in the Old Testament where the king comes forward and he uncovers the uncovers the law that's been hidden for years and and brings it forward and reads it in in front of the people and it brings new life when it's actually read out loud in community. So I think what you're experiencing is that same thing of it being alive in the moment versus just something you read off a page alone. Although there there are other times, you know, I think other people you know, have had really sweet moments of reading scripture alone, but there's something special of, of uh, reading it together. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times I've, I have it alone, but I feel like it's more regular when I'm reading it with people. Yeah. Uh, it's more consistently present when I'm reading it with others. Yeah. Well, I get that too. Um, so that's one of the things I love about this podcast too. All right. So today we're going to be reading Judges 4, uh, verses four, 1 through 7. Judges 4, verses 1 through 7. So Jesse, do you have it pulled up in front of you? I do. I do. I can read it. Um, yeah, what do you mind? There are some strange names in here, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to give it a good old college try. <laughs> All right, um, good. So this is Judges uh, from Judges four. It says the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who re- reside or reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Caesarea, who lived in the Harsheth. Hagoim. See, that's the one. Um, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lepiteth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abahim, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take possession at Mount Tabor, bring 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisari, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give them to into your hands. <laughs> Way to go, man. That is chock full with, with terrible names. It's not like just one. It's like seven, seven or and eight of hard these names. That... I mean, Herosheth Hagoim? Yeah, and I'm sure you could, you could probably correct some of mine because you have some more Hebrew background than language background. Abinoam, those are hard, hard words. They are. All right. So to get past, not to get past, but to kind of see through the names, what, how would you summarize what we just read? I think that well, would be helpful. Okay. Okay. First, I just want to, to say the elephant in the room. The, these are, this, a text like this, you've got to spend some time. If you really want to understand what's going on, we really ought to have read the first three chapters and figure out who in the world all these people are and who, mm-hmm. where all these places are. We should t- get out a map and we should plot all these things out on a map and find out where everything is. I know the general locations of these places, but, um, but a passage like this, it's like, you gotta, you gotta know. I mean, we're kind of, when we're recording this, we're kind of in the middle of like election craziness. And it's really <laughs> important that you know where Arizona or Pennsylvania are you know or michigan is like these are 
contextualizations that kind of get lost on us when you imagine someone 4,000 years from now trying to understand what we mean when we say, you know, Pennsylvania is kind of up for grabs. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Right? Like, yeah. Or a specific or a specific County within that area. Right. right? Is super influential for some reason. Like these are real places and real people from real history. Yeah. There's stories for all these things. So yeah. Um, that's, but we don't have to dive into that right now. Um, so if I was just to summarize what, what the first verse says, the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So keyword again for me. That's yep. good. Um, so what happened is uh, they all get sold to King Jabin, that's, or Jabim or Yabin or whatever, whatever you call him. And, uh, and they cried for help. And so Deborah, who's a prophetess, uh, finds out that the Israelites have been captured by King Jabin, the enemy, the bad guy, right? And um, she's this wise ruler. She's a judge. And um, she tells Barak um, to go and rescue them, basically. Bring, bring a bunch of bring armies and, and, um, and God will deliver the people back to you. So that's basically the, the, uh, the, the plot is Israelites do bad things. They get captured by an evil king. Deborah, the prophetess, who's, who's, you know, part of you know, judging Israel, she's a ruler. She sends an army to go rescue them from the hand of the evil king. So that's kind of the, the plot, if I was to boil it down. Yeah, what's, gra- yeah. what's grabbing you about this, Jesse? Um, a couple of things, I think. One, um, yeah, the word again definitely, you know, should cue us that this is not the first time through this cycle that the people of Israel have gone. Um, so I think that should cue us um, that this is part of this rhythm of falling away um, or of rebelling against God's authority. Um, you, you know, I think this gives us a good picture of like what sin is, you know, where sometimes we get so caught up in it being these individual things, which it, it is and can be, but it's also this like a re- general rebellion against God's authority. Um, and, and so they're in this pattern of rebelling and then they live in it for a while. They were there 20 years. That stuck out to me that they had been suffering for 20 years. It took them that long before they cried back out to God. Um, and something we don't get to know exactly, but something must have cued them to cry back out to God after 20 years. And, and God was like, there, ready to take them back. He, he was ready to hear them. Um, and so I think it, it, it shines a few things for me. One is like, it tells me about my own heart as a human being, um, that my tendency is to rebel against God and to live in it for quite a while, probably. Um, but then it also tells me something about God's character that he's ready. And, um, it reminds me of like the prodigal son story or, you know, where the father's just looking, um, it kind of gives me that picture of like, God must just be longing for us to cry back out for him. Um, and he's ready to deliver us or to deliver the people of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to highlight one thing you said about sin as rebellion. Um, the Israelites again did was evil inside of the Lord. There's a communal sense of sin too. We just talked about communal nature of like um, reading the Bible. Yeah. Um, their sin is counted against them as a whole. And as a whole, they go into uh, captivity. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, so, I, th- you know? I think that's been something that, you know, I've been 
it's been on my mind, especially like this past year, I've been thinking a lot about justice and what yeah. it means to live justly. And that's a communal thing. And I think, you know, it's the wrestling of the, not just the individualized things of following Jesus, but the communal things of following Jesus and um, how much our, our society has shaped our, our experience of Christian faith to be individual when most of what we read in scripture is actually communal. Yep. It's the same. I mean, it's uh, like secondhand smoke, for example. People would like to think that uh, when they smoke, it's their own personal choice, whatever. But if you smoke near someone else, it now is implicating someone else in your choices, right? And that person could have lung damage if they're exposed to enough secondhand smoke, right? And uh, same thing with like uh, pollution. You know, you, uh, you go, this is my private property. I can do whatever I want with it. And I'm going to, you know, dump all my, you know, toxic waste right here. Well, then it seeps into the groundwater and now everybody's got toxic waste in their groundwater, right? There's communal implications for our sin. And we, we rarely think about it that way. We think of sin as kind of a Puritan privatized, uh, you know, personal choice that only affects me, but then it's not really sin if it doesn't affect, I mean, how can it affect you without affecting the people around you? And um, sin is never private. It's always, uh, always has public implications. At least it will at the end of time, you know, when Jesus calls us all to account for, for our sin. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's an important thing about you said. And then also like the whole thing of it's rebellion. It's not just not being able to be perfect in every single way. It's rebelling against the ways of God. So doing evil inside of the Lord. So I think it's really um, key to point out. The thing that I wanted to point out is that Deborah is a woman. Yes. <laughs> so cool. So all these people get, you know, taken into, taken into captivity. After 20 years, Deborah is kind of their new Moses. And she is a she. And uh, people come up to her. You know, she sits under the palm of Deborah. Maybe, I don't know if it's named after her or if she's named after the palm, whatever. Between that Ramaz, sentence confused me. Yeah. I was like, who's the she again? Because it's Deborah. Yeah, yeah. Between Ramah and Bethel in the country of Ephraim. So that's south of Jerusalem in the hill country. Um, Israelites come up to her for judgment. So they climb the mountain and they come talk to Deborah about, you know, like how to settle their disputes and stuff. She's kind of the boss. And the, the Israelites don't have a king at this point. They have judges. And Deborah is the judge. She's the kind of the ruler of the people of God, which is so cool. So um, today we're just starting to kind of recover from uh, many, many years of, you know, um, I think making women think that they're not, you know, not suited for leading in the church and for le for being spiritual leaders. And yet here you have Deborah uh, leading all of Israel um, and even sending people into battle um, and rescuing people. So I just think that's awesome. And I'm uh, impressed with Deborah. I want to learn more and more about her. Um, so that's, that's the simple thing I learned. I was noticing was Deborah is a woman and she is uh, she's a boss leader. So I just, I think it's pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So we need to see more women leaders in the church. Um, that's what I got. I think that's great. Um, Jesse, we're going to be back tomorrow morning.
That's right. I'll look forward to passage. Psalm 123. So I'm looking forward to reading that with you and everybody who's listening. Thanks for joining today. I hope you have a great rest of your Monday and we will join back with you tomorrow morning. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.